Hey there, I'm Scott, and this is Tangents. Man, I, um, it, it's crazy to me how much I can just talk endlessly about uh, all of these things. And I just, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I have an endless font of new material, but, and in fact, I know I keep going back to the well from time to time, but there are so many things that I think about that I, you know, it, no matter how many of these I do, I feel like I want to add something new. And uh, I've found that over over the years when I've done other other podcasts and uh, and shows and such, the thing that I want to talk about today, and there there are obviously lots of through lines that kind of weave between them, but I think each time I'm hopefully adding something. And we're currently, I guess, uh, mid-May, um, in well underway in this uh, in this pandemic. If you're looking back at this, uh, this is the time where we've had certainly Arizona, but a lot of other states have had some kind of shelter-in-place order. Uh, we've had limited you know, ability to exit. Uh, businesses have been shut down. I think rightfully so, and if you look at the um, at the number of new cases per day, we're above where we it, like it has flattened out a little bit, but we're still above, well above where we were when this uh, shelter-in-place order started, and it's just like I'm sorry, it's just inexcusable that uh, things are the way they are. I mean, first off, well, I I mean, come on. This is a situation that if we were on top of it early on, we could have contained it uh, much better. It's not something that you can, obviously like infectious diseases are statistical things, they're kind of invisible. It's easy for things to get out of hand if you don't you know, watch and try. And even if you are vigilant, things will creep through. But it's also relatively easy, especially early on, to look at your cases, go back and see everybody that those people have been in contact in. This is just the general kind of the way epidemiology works. Figure out where people got things, who they transmitted it to, or who might they might have transmitted it to. Um, isolate, quarantine all of those people, watch them for a couple weeks, and basically contain something like this. Um, or at least keep it at a very low uh, level. And instead of that, what happened is our our president, giant air quotes, uh, pretty much ignored it. And in fact, not only ignored it, but almost actively sort of sought to use it to his own advantage, which is, to be fair to him, I mean, that is who he is. I, the dude is like, I think, 73 years old. His entire life, Maybe as a kid, he did something that was selfless. I, I can't imagine, but... Um, and obviously, I, I do feel a little bit for the man, because I think, you know, you look at his parents and how he was raised and all of this. It's not a shock that he is as he is. But of course, that helps you understand. It doesn't... Ex I mean, it explains it, but it doesn't excuse it. And, and so I don't think he's done anything in his life, certainly his adult life, that hasn't been motivated out of pure selfishness. Even when he's helping his family, he's helping and aggrandizing 
um, in some way indirectly helping himself. So I, I don't believe this is a person with a single selfless bone in his body or any, any history of it. And so I, I see people still, uh, I see people acting shocked and explaining like how bad this guy is and all of this. If you didn't know this um, in 2016, and frankly, I mean, my, my life, he's been in the public, public eye. Uh, in fact, before I was born, he was already. And he's never been a, a good guy. I mean, there's never, there's never been any reason to think he was anything other than what he is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's depressing to me that people are either blind to that or, um, you know, wh whether it's that they can't see it or that they're willfully ignoring it or often I think is the case, they totally see it and they're acting selfishly to further whatever they think are their own ends. Um, and, and again, I mean, this is, a, this is a thing I get to a lot and I think it's a sort of cultural and like civilization-wide problem, uh, another pandemic that we have, is just this idea that immediate short-term profit is more important than you know, long-term investment and the things that are going to help all of us, all of us, not just a few people, in the coming years, decades, centuries. And this idea that, uh, I mean, in, literally, literally in our constitution, the preamble says you know, to uh, preserve the, the blessings of freedom, liberty, I'm, I'm probably fucking this up, but more or less, for ourselves and our posterity. The, the whole thing is forward-looking. And I, don't get me wrong, I don't hold the founders to some like elevated uh, status. I don't think that they're, you know, like deities or you know, high priests or whatever. They, they definitely made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and one that has been made abundantly clear uh, recently is just that so much so much of what has kept our country working has just been standards and norms that are not codified into law. They're not written down and enumerated in our constitution or in our amendments. They've just been kind of like, that's, you know, that's the way you do it. Um, people would not possibly do X because they'd be too ashamed to, or the consequences of lying brazenly would have been too great. And obviously, this current president has proven. And again, I, I always try to emphasize, I don't think that like he is the sort of accumulation of a lot of problems. He is not the problem. Um, these are things that have been building. And again, I, I don't try to, in fact, I actively want not to suggest that this is something where everyone is equally at blame. But a lot of people are somewhat to blame to varying degrees. And a lot of it also comes down, I, like, I, I think the root cause of almost all of these things is people acting in their own direct self-interest without thinking beyond themselves, without thinking even, even of their, uh, like I, I have no kids, but you would think, I would think that if I had kids, 
even I, I don't even have kids and I'm still motivated to you know make a better world for the future um, you'd think if you have kids and grandkids you wouldn't want to poison them you wouldn't want to make the world miserable for them you wouldn't want to just completely allow our democracy to wither and die and leave them with essentially a oligarchy cocky stock I, I, I don't have I, I have the word I can say it I can see it in my head I can't say it the government of the worst cocky stockracy I, I'm not even gonna try to embarrass myself further with that uh, that's gonna drive me nuts that I fucked that up but uh, but anyway it's it's this idea that we have this situation and I guess I do understand like people people look at it and you you see the religious people who uh, religious also probably in air quotes uh, not that I think religion I mean to be fair religion has caused so many problems uh, I shouldn't necessarily put it in air quotes here because these guys are not acting particularly differently than uh, any religious people in history but looking at Trump who is I would say arguably the least Christian person you could get and then you have these people who say that they're Christians uh, the followers of this uh, you know this historical quasi-historical uh, fictional character who you know had did espouse certain things that you would think would be actually not terrible like um, loving your neighbors um, having charity or being charitable helping people uh, all, all sorts of things that go completely contrary to what these people are are currently interested in and it just it, it baffles me that I mean I guess it's not that baffling because it's obviously it's always been hypocritical and here it's just you know glaringly obviously so but they see this guy and I mean really I I don't think the reductio ad infanticidium thing is genuine. I've, I've talked about this before. I think that that is used by a lot of people to manipulate people into voting uh, against their own interests. And also, I mean, it's just like you look at, and again, always try not to falsely equivocate the two parties. I'm having a lot of trouble with words today. It's really weird. Um, but I always try not to make false equivalences. But both parties, to some extent, varying extents, have done things like this where they have these issues, and kind of air quotes issues, that are not really fundamental issues. They're not really things that, uh, that mean that much. They're not things that either one of them actually does much to implement into policy. But they use those issues uh, hot button issues to get people out to vote, to get people out to do things um, and completely ignore things that probably matter much more. And, or, you know, they matter more, but they're much more complicated. They're harder to see. Uh, this idea, yeah, I mean, like trickle down economics. People, like, I understand, for example, everyone, you know, you get your paycheck. The first time you get a paycheck, and especially if you haven't had a good education about how taxes work and all of this and our current education system pretty much sucks um, we are we're a first world country with a third world 
uh, medical care system, and a third world education system. And don't get me wrong, I, I went to public school, I think I got a decently acceptable education. Although I think the public education that I got is not the same one that people would get today. And it's very, it's very depressing. And it, it's an interesting thing, actually, when you look at what has gotten us here. I mean, parts, there are all kinds of factors at play. And a lot of it, a lot of it has been people being motivated out of selfishness. Um, part of it has also been, you know, like desegregation kind of allowed people to go to different schools and one of the things that the white people did, this is an awesome thing when you look into it, was kind of say, well, fuck you, if we're, if we can't keep our own schools, we're not going to have any schools at all. And so they made a big push uh, to basically gut public education um, just in order to maintain that sort of status quo. And, and it's a, it's one of these things where like just through time, there have been so many so many different lines going, like kind of weaving in and out of, you know, combination of racism and classism. I've got mine, fuck you. Um, all of this kind of stuff where, and, and it's all very, this is another one of these societal ills that we have. It's all very zero sum. So one way, one way of thinking about things is that there's a finite amount of stuff that can be had. And if you take something, then that costs me something. If you get a better education, then it costs me somehow. The way that I look at it, and I think this is correct, is that, you know, yes, there are finite resources. There are things that are actually limited. There's only so much beachfront property. There's only so much oil in the world. But when it comes to something like education, the better educated people are, the more money there is for university research, for basic fundamental research, the more money there is to let people kind of pursue their entrepreneurial dreams, to let people um, make art or, you know, I mean, music, whatever. The more that we cultivate these things, the richer we all are. This is something where, like, if, if more people are doing research, then there's a larger body of stuff that we can pull from to make better things for us all. Um, it's, it's just a, a simple, you know, to me, honestly, a no-brainer. When you look at uh, all of the things, I mean, I, I've taught basic physics a couple of times, and when I've done that, the one of the things that I like to do is kind of go through not only the thing that you're learning, but how it was discovered. And one of the things that was interesting is there was this guy setting up a classroom demonstration. And I think it's Emperor, um, but I'm probably wrong about that. I'm terrible with names. But the guy was setting up this demonstration and he noticed, he had a bunch of compasses out, and he noticed that when he connected a wire, disconnected the wire, the compass needles deflected. And not that big of a deal. You're like, well, that's interesting. Turned out that that was electromagnetic induction. So like if, uh, if an electric charge is moving, it creates a magnetic field. 
and actually I'm using my right hand because I'm so used to it, if the current is going as my fingers are, it creates a magnetic field in the direction of my thumb, uh, right thumb. And that little insight didn't pay off for a very long time. That, was, that wasn't even basic research, that was just a, a classroom demonstration. And some guy thinking about it and having the time to sort of explore it. And now here we are, we have electric motors, um, all of our technology is based on some level on this kind of thing. So that one little tiny thing, I mean like, you know, you look at uh, quantum physics. When quantum physics was first discovered, it was a really like, that's weird kind of thing. Um, when the ability, the, the, so when Einstein did, I've talked about him a bunch of times, but Einstein did a lot of stuff. One of the things he worked on was something called the photoelectric effect which was that if you shine light on certain materials, I think he was looking at metals, then you'll get a voltage potential. And the thing that's interesting is that it's not the intensity of the light, it's the wavelength of the light. And you go a couple of steps further and you realize, well, the reason that this is, is that light comes in these little packets we call photons. And these photons have a quantized amount of energy. Each one has a little bit which is a fixed amount of energy, and it's dependent on the wavelength or the frequency of that light. So if that wavelength is too low, then it's not enough energy to kick electrons up uh, to the next highest energy level, which is also quantized, mind you, in the middle. And so as soon as you get to a short enough wavelength, shorter wavelength, higher energy, at a certain point, you're able to kick it up. And that little, you know, like somebody monkeying with lights on metal and looking at voltmeters and things like this, that tiny little insight basically led us to everything we know about quantum mechanics and solid state physics, pretty much. And you think about like all of the, everything that's based on a semiconductor is based indirectly on that, which means all of our microelectronics the iPhone that I'm recording this on, uh, the computer I'm gonna edit it on, the networks that that data is going over, all of that stuff is from these little tiny pieces that people looked at and kind of went, oh, that's weird. And it, at the point where that stuff was done, nobody had any idea that any of that was going to amount to anything. As far as people were concerned, I mean, that seems like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, when people first developed batteries, it was mostly just a novelty. It was mostly like, uh, you know, oh, that's kind of cute, but not really practical, doesn't really have a use. And then you start looking at what we've been able to do with electric current and batteries and all of this kind of technology. It's, it's kind of amazing, actually. And we are, by doing things like not funding basic research, um, we, are, we are robbing the future. We are robbing ourselves of so much development, so much technology that we have no idea even what it is. I mean, that's the whole point of basic research. Some of it might just be some weird esoteric thing that goes nowhere, but you never know in a hundred years that esoteric thing might actually be the foundation of the the dominant technology that everybody's using. And it, 
if you didn't have that essential piece, you would never have gotten everything else. And I mean, it doesn't have to be 100 years later. It could be 20 years. It could be five years. And you think about it, or I think about it, and it's just, it, it's kind of a horrible nightmare that we're so selfish and greedy about this stuff. I mean, yeah, and, and I've talked before about, you know, there is a selfish argument for almost everything. But I stopped making the selfish arguments from uh, basically because my friend Gil told me, and, and I think he's right, that it's this it's, it's this horrible like neoliberal idea that you have to have a selfish argument and you have to make this argument that is very concrete and is very direct like you know oh you should pay for schools and be happy to pay more taxes because if you do that then your property values will go up more than you're putting in that is true but that shouldn't be why you're putting money into schools and in fact you shouldn't even be putting money into schools because a hundred years hence, you're going to have new technologies based on things that those students have worked on. You should put money into schools because it's the right fucking thing to do. You should pay, I mean, the fact that we have to argue this shit is just depressing. And the thing that drives me nuts, and I've talked about this many times as well, but you know, I, I just look at this like malignant capitalism where you have people like uh, pharmaceutical CEOs who are not content to make a drug that save, saves lives. Um, they're not content to do their own research. They steal publicly funded research or they just acquire patents from some other company that's struggling financially. And rather than taking that thing that is relatively cheap to make, selling it at a, a comfortable margin that would still make it cheap enough for people to buy and benefit from, and you're still making profit, they have to make insane amounts of profit. They have to extort every penny, squeeze every drop of blood that they can from someone. And this, I mean, to me is just, it, it's just disgusting and indefensible. And it's such a, a prevalent thing. It's almost, it's not even the norm, it is, almost universal. It is like you can find people who are not motivated that way, but it's rare. And even the people who are not have little like tendencies of it because they grew up and they've lived in a society that thinks that way. It's, it's this disgusting, just blind greed. And so much of this also, I mean, like it's not merely that they're making stupid amounts of money. Like you can kind of understand to a certain extent that you know, out of pure self-interest, it's nice to have a lot of money and have a nice house and have a private jet and all of this stuff. At a certain point though, all of that stuff doesn't even matter because you've got so much money that you're not spending it. You, when you look at, and I pick on Bezos a lot, but it's hard not to because he's got more money than fucking anyone. I mean, this one dude has more money than so many so many people, it's just insane. But he has so much money, if he did things that, if he just paid his fair share of taxes, he'd still have insane amounts of money. I mean, it's just, it's like gluttony, but it's at least gluttony, there's like a limit to how much you can eat. This is just hoarding and to no benefit to yourself. Like at a certain point when you've got 
hundreds of billions of dollars and you're just sitting on all this money that like he he's literally said that the only way he could think of to deploy that much capital was to start a fucking space program which again not something that a lot of countries do and this one dude has done that uh, it, it's just I, I don't know I, I can't believe that we are here and so one of the things it, it's funny I, I don't know how long I've gone so far before even getting to the topic that I wanted to, to touch on but one of the things that I think is really a fundamental problem is not just that we have that but there's nobody or I don't want to say nobody obviously there are people like Bernie Sanders who are leaders out there trying to push back against this idea but so many people are like Nancy Pelosi and I like to pick on her and I think she's deserved and earned it um, I, I, I wish th this would be such a better world honestly if you could just have her taken out of office and forced into retirement I mean no I I'm not saying that she is as bad as Mitch McConnell but she's in the ballpark you know she's not she's not light years away she's she's not like okay I'm gonna completely manipulate things and rob a president of the ability the constitutionally imbued ability to nominate Supreme Court justice you know he's bad but she's right there behind him and the thing that drives me insane is it doesn't have to be this way you know I mean it's so just and again she's got so much fucking money she's she's not Jeff Bezos but she's still I think over a hundred million dollars in net worth which is not doesn't even make her the wealthiest person in Congress which should be a giant red flag about like how fucked up our society is but she has that much material wealth and she's like I, I do not think she fundamentally cares at all about whether Trump loses or wins in fact I think in her heart of hearts if you could really I don't know that she would ever admit this to anyone but I swear she likes this she would rather have the ability to do this little weird sarcastic clap and have people go yes queen then to have certainly than Bernie Sanders be the president and even even Biden I'm I don't like Biden but I don't think she would rather him be the president I don't think she would want him to do that I think given her druthers she'd rather have things be like this because she's fine you know she her relatives her family um, her friends they're fine she has all this money coming in and you know in fact Republican uh, tax bullshit has given her more money so she's actually better off than she was four years ago she's actually I mean you think about it not only materially but in terms of clout in terms of power she has so many more people who are like, oh, I love you, Pelosi, you're the opposition. And, and the thing is, she's not the opposition. She's one of the, she is essentially a pharmacy CEO or pharmaceutical CEO, just exploiting people and manipulating things. I mean, one of the, the sicknesses that is just highlighted through her is that in, in Congress, the ranking the amount of clout that 
individual representatives have is based on how much money they're able to raise and how much both for themselves and for other people. And so she, partially being stupidly wealthy, partially living in a place where you have all of these billionaires and millionaires um, who are, again, you know, in this sort of uh, neoliberal consensus and who, you know, they're, they're not like the far right Republicans, although Peter Thiel, you know, but they're not there, but they're further right than the already right of center Democrats. They are like Reagan or prior era Republicans, and they like to think of themselves as Democrats. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing, actually, when you look at um, Silicon Valley and sort of the self-image of the, the tech companies, uh, the startups, billion, billion dollar startups, the, the self-image that these people have, or at least the marketing that they use, but I think, I think it is actually legitimately that how they see themselves is, oh, I'm doing things for the, the good of mankind, I'm helping people. Like, I think, I really kind of think if you look at Zuckerberg and you decompiled his, his mind, he would probably think he's actually doing net good for the world, despite the fact that he has been in, in, instrumental in, you know, I mean, not quite the downfall of our civilization, but a lot of negative things across the globe fundamentally come down to things like Facebook balkanizing us, um, dividing us up, taking us into these little silos where we can get radicalized and where the only people outside of our silo who are able to penetrate are just nut jobs who are very highly motivated. So the people in the silo are able to sort of see these outsiders and the ones that come in, they're like so weird and radical that they're able to just kind of go like, oh, yeah, these people are, they're nuts. I'm not gonna, you know, they're terrible. And, and you think about that, I mean, just the damage that that has done, it's, it's right up there also with like Fox News, um, like uh, Rupert Murdoch and Roger Ailes and all of these people have done so much harm. Uh, the Koch brothers have done so much harm. And they've, they've done this, like they've just poured poison into our water supply, uh, literally as well as figuratively, but they've done so much just toxification of you know, our, our ability even to talk with each other, to, I, I can't have a conversation. Today, the point that we are is that if I have a conversation with somebody who is living on a steady diet of Fox News, I will lose my fucking mind they will actually think that I'm a terrible person and in denial of reality because they're in this alternate universe. And we can't, we have, we have common ground. We have plenty of things that we could agree on, but there are so many things that if you touch on them, um, you just lose the ability to have any kind of a reasonable discussion. And it's just depressing. It doesn't need to be this way. Um, I, I find it just disheartening, frankly. And I don't know, I talk about this a lot. I am a big believer in um, you know, the idea that even if I disagree with someone, we're better off 
having an actual discussion, being able to have a meeting of the minds, because um, different people have different perspectives. They have different value systems, ideally. Um, I don't think that the current GOP has a value system to, to speak of. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's so fucked up where we are. You have two dominant parties. One of them is malignant as fuck. And then the other one, not really providing any opposition. And then you look at, um, like, Trump should be trivially easy to, like, it, almost anyone running against this man should be a complete no-brainer. You, know, you should be able to say, like, he is so fucking corrupt, unquestionably. He is so terrible with women. He is so sexist and racist. And, you know, like, just all of these things. He's a big fucking liar. All of these things. And the Democrats, and depressingly, I gotta say, like, so fucking depressingly, Obama coming out and, like, pulling the strings and moving some things to get Biden nominated and to basically, you know, stick a, a thing in the spokes of, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off at this. Just literally, like, stick a twig in the spokes of Bernie's bike. And, you know, for no reason other than he either, I mean, I guess there are two possibilities. Either the generous one is he thinks that, uh, that Bernie wouldn't win. And I think a lot of people are legitimately misguided in that way. Um, but the other one is just that it is way out of his interests for Bernie to win. I mean, first off, you know, he is in a sort of elite class. He is very wealthy, very powerful. Um, he is the establishment at this point, which is crazy considering that he was an insurgent once. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's, it's a, a thing that I think about a lot. And I think the, the most important thing for him is probably that, you know, he's got his signature piece of legislation was the ACA. And if we get Medicare for all, and especially if Medicare for all is like, oh yeah, this is actually so much fucking better, unquestionably better, as it would be, because it is. But if we got that, then people would uh, kind of look back at the ACA and go like, oh, Obama kind of left a stinky turd there. Um, and, and to be fair, not all his fault. But I do think fundamentally the approach that led to the creation of the ACA which is the same thinking that Pelosi and the rest of the party leadership are, are using, is broken and it inevitably will lead to bad outcomes. I mean, it, it's, it's just like Biden right now is putting together a team of fucking Republicans as though, as though we were in the 60s or the 70s where like the Republicans were, maybe not, maybe you disagree with people, but there's at least, you know, there's some crossover People can have a reasonable discussion and people have some kind of contact with reality. Where we are now, I mean, it, it, it's, it's nuts. It's just, you can't, you can't reason with people. You have um, this disparity where like people on, I hate saying both sides because this is not a, a single, you know, single dimension. It's a lot of different groups, but when you go in that uh, Republican versus Democrat thing, people in both camps think the other people are an existential threat to the future of our country. Now, I do think the Republicans are, and I kind of actually think the Democrats are. I used to think 
the Republicans are and the Democrats weren't, and it was just like this distorted view that both sides had, but the Democrats were at least right. I think now, I my real conclusion, I mean, this is maybe something that I've not articulated or even realized myself, but the Republicans are awful. And they're also, though, right that the Democrats are kind of an existential threat because the shit that they're doing has gotten us here. The shit that they're doing got Trump fucking elected and very likely will get him reelected. Um, or even if, even if they beat him, it will get somebody worse than Trump. And I think that is almost inevitable. That is the trajectory we're on. Um, it's just a, a shitty situation. And the, I mean, the fact that there is no real opposition, it hurts everybody. It hurts the Republicans, actually. The fact that there's nobody making the case for why taxes are important, why taxes are not bad. Everybody doesn't, I started saying this before, but you get your first paycheck and you see social security and taxes coming out of it and it stings because you haven't learned why that stuff is important. And even if you understand it, it still stings a little bit, but you're at least like, okay, it sucks, but I'm getting something for this. And other people, you know, like it's helping other people. It's all, all of these things. When you, you look at that and you don't have anyone making the case for, you know, actually taxes are good. Taxes done right are good. There's no, like this idea that is universally accepted, insane fucking idea. Um, the, like so many Democrats were talking about like, oh, you can't raise taxes on the middle class. Well, first off, yeah, the, the argument they were making was raising taxes to offset what is effectively the highest tax of any country, or at least the, the vast, vast majority of countries. If you look at what we pay for healthcare, it is a massive tax. It's just a private tax. It's a tax that doesn't go to government. It goes to making wealthy people wealthier, and it doesn't get you anything, or it gets you very little. Um, and then, you know, like I personally would rather pay more taxes, not pay that shit, and get better care and have other people get better care. Have people, you know, not have millions of people without coverage, not have people go bankrupt because their kid gets leukemia or they have a kid with uh, cystic fibrosis or they get in a crash, whatever. There's no, that, that should not happen. We are the wealthiest fucking country in history. We should not have a third world healthcare system. It's just indefensible. And again, like the, everybody is hurt by the fact that neither of these people is making a case for taxes for effective government. You know, and, and this gets to leadership, which is after, you know, God knows how long I've been talking. Leadership is the thing I wanted to talk about, which is just like you think about, I, I think a lot about the Occupy movement and there were so many good things about it and it was so many people mobilized uh, you look at how many people were like literally like camping out for very long periods of time and so little came from this and I'm not saying they didn't accomplish anything but so little so little and I think fundamentally the problem there just like like Pelosi's not providing leadership Trump is obviously not providing leadership like he's killed literally might as well have shot um, right now I think 80,000 people but probably you know, looking at the trajectory into the hundreds of thousands at least, um, unnecessary deaths. 
unnecessary suffering, unnecessary economic damage, even if that's your interest, if we actually locked down and did things right, it would have been over by now. We'd have testing in place if we were competent. And yeah, it, it would be contained and we would be on a better trajectory versus where we are, where you have so many people dying and it's only gonna go up in very short order by a significant margin. Um, and then like, I, I went to Chipotle yesterday to, to get a, a bowl and get that. And I'm, I'm sitting there watching people. And first off, I mean, it's weird going out now just because you have some people wearing masks, some people not. Um, and I think this is also a lack of leadership. Real leadership would have explained to people, yeah, okay, you wear the mask, not because you're paranoid and trying to protect yourself in that sense, but because if you are an asymptomatic carrier, you don't want to get somebody else sick. And that to me is a very compelling reason to do it. And also you have like two people, if you're asymptomatic carrier and you have the mask, significantly reduces your ability to transmit it, even if it's not a, a great mask. Uh, and then if somebody else is wearing a mask, odds go way down. If you maintain distance, odds go down even further. And you know, so it's great that restaurants and these things have some kind of safety protocols in place, but I, I'm sitting there watching and you know, like, and I don't want to disparage the whole, the whole team. A lot of people are doing the right things, but then there's like one woman who's got her mask down below her nose, which I've seen a fuck ton of. It's fucking weird. Now, yes, if you, if you like uh, backlight or sidelight um, me with a laser and watch me talk. While I'm talking, there's a nice mist coming out and much less is coming out of your nose unless you're sneezing or something, but it's still coming out. So yes, it's not like it's completely doing nothing, but it's also, if you just pull the thing up, it's doing much more. You know, and also the thing that I don't understand here is just, it's uncomfortable, sure, but is this really any more comfortable than this? Not to me, I don't understand that at all. And I don't know, it's just so dumb. And then you see somebody else who's wearing it like on his chin, mouth and nose exposed. You see somebody else who's like cutting up chicken and he's like touching his face and like doing this kind of stuff. I've done that a couple of times in this video and I've been self-conscious about it, but I'm gonna wash my hands afterwards and I'm also in my own place. I'm not like touching somebody else's food. When you're preparing food, don't touch your fucking face. Or if you touch your fucking face, wash your hands. It's not that hard. And I understand, like I have a lot of people tell me, you know, hey, Scott, you have graduate level degrees in, in microbiology. You know aseptic technique and you understand my, microbial ubiquity and all this stuff pretty well. And yes, that's true. But none of this is that complicated. Um, and I don't mean that to disparage myself or people with PhDs in microbiology, but you can understand, even a kid can understand there's something bad in your saliva and while you're talking, you don't see it, but there's this invisible mist coming out. And I understand invisible stuff is hard to, to really grok for a lot of people, but it's there and it's not that hard. You just have to explain it and learn it well. Um, and then like, I mean, seriously, the, the whole, literally everything is covered in literal shit. 
And if you wash your hands as soon as you touch something, if you're wearing gloves as soon as you touch something, that is contaminated, and then you put it someplace else and you're transferring whatever it was. You're literally just inoculating stuff unwittingly. This stuff drives me insane, and the fact that uh, it, it's driven me insane, to be fair, well before um, COVID-19, many, many years. Um, it, it, I've talked about this in a previous one of these, but like, you know, one of the things before recently, one of the things that drove me nuts about Obama, and I, I generally loved the guy at the time, but there was this one shot of him at Chipotle putting his hand over the sneeze guard, and I think maybe even his head. Either way, it's like, ah, like the scream in my mind of that was going on there, I just can't even convey. And the, part of the reason that it bothers me is, again, leadership. People see that, and then they think that's just how you do it. They think that's fine. People see Trump going around, not wearing a mask, doing stupid shit. Um, he's not making a case for doing the right things. People see Pelosi not not doing, th like, not actually providing any real opposition at all. Having to be dragged, kicking and screaming to, you know, years too late, impeach this motherfucker. Um, I mean, the fact that the, the amount of harm that she has done, honestly, is just incalculable. And, like, one of the, I, 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 I'm sorry for repeating myself here, but one of the fucking arguments that I always hear about why you have to vote for Biden is RBG. And why does, you have to vote for Biden because you don't want to forfeit RBG's seat. And the reason for that is to protect Roe v. Wade, one of those hot button issues. And the thing about that is that fucking hot button issue, and I know I've said this before, but I've got to say it again. The reason that is still an issue is that when we had Congress and the presidency, which we've had more than once since Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is not, you know, it didn't happen five years ago. We've had the opportunity many times, many times, to codify it into law. Not, there was no need to leave it as case law. And leaving it as case law left it vulnerable, gave Mitch great tools for, you know, taking hundreds of federal judges and uh, at least one Supreme Court justice. It gave him these tools. Did not have to be that fucking way. We could have done it. And Pelosi in particular, you know, I, I just think about 2008, where you have Pelosi, uh, you have Obama, Pelosi and the whole house. She was the, the speaker of the house. She was the majority leader. Um, and then we had the Senate as well. Uh, Harry Reid, I think. And you think about that. We had that. We had that, and we fucking squandered it. And this is the thing that makes me really pessimistic about even if Biden wins. There was just a, there was just a New York Times article about if Biden wins, he's going to have the... Um, he wants to have, like, an FDR-sized presidency. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but this motherfucker, you know, is just, like... He's not going to do this. And also, if he does it, it's going to be like the currently going on, I think, over $5 trillion of relief, in air quotes. It's going to go to wealthy people. It's going to go to paying for COBRA, basically just supplementing these already fucking wealthy insurance companies that are not doing their fucking job for us. And it's not going to help people that much. It's just... 
it disgusts me because it's going to be an insane waste of money and it's not going to be a waste of money that actually is an investment. Not that that would be a waste of money, but it's not going to be like this huge cost, but you're getting something for it. It's going to be a huge cost and then we're going to fuck ourselves over because we'll have this one little shining opportunity, which may be the only opportunity for a decade or two and we'll fucking piss it away. And it just, it drives me nuts. So anyway, um, the, the, the one, the reason that I wanted to even talk about leadership now, and, and again, like I talked about Occupy, the thing that sucked about Occupy, and I think the problem with it fundamentally, and I think the Black Lives Matter still has the same problem. And there are a lot of things, a lot of leftist organizations have certain problems that are just endemic uh, and, and keep us from being as effective as we could be. One of them, this is not even a leadership thing, but one of them is that like the Republicans can be anti-government and nihilistic and they can basically say, you know, like, well, okay, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but we're just going to drag our heels and not go along. And that gives them a lot of power. We actually give a fuck about people. And so if you have people suffering, it's really hard to go, you know, I'm going to hold back and not sign this thing or not vote for it until we get what I need. And ultimately, it's it, very much like being never Biden for me now. It sucks in the moment, makes you look like an asshole, uh, and it does legitimately hurt people. There's no doubt about that. But you're doing it because the consequence in the future of not doing it is actually worse. But it's really hard to see that, and especially if you care. Like, I, I give a fuck about RBG. I give a fuck about Roe v. Wade. I give a fuck about a lot of things. Uh, I give a fuck about the rule of law. And, you know, you look at uh, the stuff that's happening now with Barr, essentially the Trump administration is above the law. Uh, there's, you have, and it's not just Barr, I mean, fucking Pelosi again, not to keep coming back to her, but the Democrats are not doing the things that they could do. They're not using all of their power um, to actually, like, hold him to the fire. And part of that is that, you know, we do care about government functioning and, you know, like, allowing us to actually have a shutdown and you know fighting things that way it's a it's a option for the air quotes freedom caucus but not so much for super leftists or at least it's very difficult for us um, but anyway that's that's one thing that was bothering me but the, the thing that so anyway leftists try it they, they have that weakness we have that weakness i guess we have this thing that we try to be overly diplomatic, leaderless, or uh, the one that drove me nuts that made me want to just smack somebody. I'm not a person that wants to smack people, but uh, they call it leaderful. It's like, oh, everybody's a leader. If everybody's a leader, nobody's a leader. And I, I, I think about like the civil rights movement, for example. You have people like MLK and like Malcolm X who really and i'm not saying that like obviously you have many many other people working together to these ends but it's important i think to have somebody in that kind of executive function where you have somebody who is able to make the decisions who you can talk to that person's able to not necessarily set but at least vocalize an agenda um, occupy it took forever to get any kind of like list of demands. And when they finally did that, they did it democratically. 
um, which means, you know, just like everybody's kind of like having their say and kind of throw a bunch of bullshit in there. And instead of having like three concrete demands that would actually be actionable and, uh, you know, you could actually say, okay, we accomplished this, we're 80% of the way to this, and we're 20% on this one, but we can do it. Instead of that, they had like this long list, just meandering list of, I think it was more than 10. And some of them were good, and some of them were just like, eh, you know. And it just, it, it just, the whole thing fizzled out, because there's nobody to talk to, there's nobody you can, you could have Martin Luther King sit down and negotiate something. With Occupy, who do you negotiate with? With uh, BLM, who do you talk to even? I mean, there's no, there's no like uh, chairman of BLM. And, and so there's like, you know, you have a bunch of people. And the thing that also sucks is you have different groups all acting under the same sort of banner. And if one group does things that actually put a lot of people off, it disparages and hurts the whole group. Um, you know, so it's, it's a dangerous thing having no, you can't have somebody denounce that group. Um, you can't have somebody say like, this is not how we do it. This is the right way to do it. This is what we're fighting for. And it's, it's just, it's, it's problematic in a lot of ways. And I think the, the bow to this, the thing that I'm going to finally end on is the thing that motivated me to talk about leadership in the first place, which is Elon Musk. And I'm, I'm very, very complicated feelings about this dude. Uh, I have some things that I like about him. I definitely, the stuff that he's doing with Starship and SpaceX, uh, I've, I've wanted to have a Tesla for many years. Um, finally getting to the point where I could probably get one and I can't because he's a complete dickhole. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's basically got people going back to work at his Tesla factory in California flagrantly flagrantly violating the law uh, there and to no consequence as far as i can tell no consequence at all and you think about it i mean i, I just think about this asshole and you know like he's smoking pot on um on joe rogan and there's nothing i've never tried it myself no real objection to that though and it's something that should be fine but the thing is this guy's a billionaire and he can do that. He's fine. And so many people, so many people are in prison or after they're out of prison, they're convicted felons for the rest of their fucking life. They have trouble getting a job. They have trouble getting an apartment. Um, they probably are disenfranchised permanently over something that he can just do and like it's no big deal. He can flagrantly violate the law here. Eh, no big fucking deal. Um, and, and I think this gets to the problem with like leadership can go well or it can go badly. Uh, one of the things that I think I, I really deeply worry about actually after this administration is not just the trauma that it's doing to the country in terms of like rule of law and all of these kinds of things. At least that you can kind of say, okay, we've seen how bad it is. Maybe we should start codifying into law these things that were just norms before. Maybe we should pull in the reins a little bit on the president and not let the imperial presidency, which both parties have been like ratcheting up for many, many decades. Let's pull that back a tiny bit. Uh, let's do stuff about that. Not such a good thing. But the problem is so many people are seeing Trump and I don't mean just Elon Musk seeing him, but I mean, so many people see this shit, 
they see somebody who's a, a just liar, terrible fucking liar, bad person, indefensible, purely selfish, purely id, purely ego, nothing, nothing redeemable about this guy. Um, no super ego at all. You know, just not a good guy. Somebody who is a despicable person. They see that. They see him succeeding. Um, they see him acting and actually, f frankly, being above the law. And they think that's how you do it. They think that's good. And that is going to be with us for generations. I mean, that's going to be something that is contaminating our country's bloodline and the world's bloodline for, you know, the, the foreseeable future and probably beyond. It's just depressing. It doesn't need to be that way. That's the thing that drives me nuts about all of this. It does not need to be this fucking way. So on that cheerful note, um, I, I keep thinking about Elon also. Like I, I, I do think he could probably actually make this colony on Mars work. Um, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, ah, you can't do that. It's it, I think he can do it. Um, the thing that depresses me, and I think, I, I kind of thought this a while ago. I thought this about like Lambda School. There's, there's a thing called Lambda School, which is this um, essentially, they have something called a, uh, I can't even remember the name, an ISA. Um, it's, a, it's basically an agreement that allows you to pay off your, your school debt um, based on whatever your income is. And it's, it's got a finite cap. It doesn't sound too bad. But you look at that and then you realize, okay, this is VC funded. They want, hot, you know, VCs want 10x returns or more. They want unicorns. That's what they're going after. They want billion dollar companies. At a certain point, that's not going to work. Because this is something that should be done by fucking governments where that kind of investment that doesn't have a direct massive payoff can be made. Uh, but the VCs don't want that. They want big returns. So what's going to happen? Well, at a certain point, the VCs kind of go like, you know, they'll, they'll let things go for a while, and then they're like, hey, I need my, uh, I need my exit. And then the ISA starts getting more and more onerous. And this has already started to happen, but I think it's still the worst part is ahead of us. And then it basically becomes indentured servitude. Um, I imagine that what's going to happen on Mars when Elon does this stuff is that you'll have a bunch of people who could not afford the flight there or living there or any of this stuff. And so you go like, okay, hey, well, you can't afford it. What if we just give you like a little loan? You know, we'll give you a loan. You can work to pay it off and you can get out there for free, for free, giant air quotes. They get over there and now you control their air supply, their food supply, their water supply. Um, they're not merely indentured servants but they're essentially slaves. And they could be multi-generational slaves as well because once you're there, like getting off of that rock, not an easy thing. How are you gonna do it? You know, it's like, and who are you going to work for? How are you going to make enough money to make that up? If you look at just like payday loans and how terrible, even just credit cards, the fact that you can have a credit card that has 30%, 29.9% interest, the fact that that is a thing that exists is just dumbfounding. You know, you, you've charged $2,000, and if you pay the minimum payments, then in six years you will have paid like $6,000 or some bullshit. Um, the fact that that exists is terrible. But imagine you're stuck on Mars. The only people you can work for are 
owned by Elon or they're friends of his, they're cronies, you can't make enough fucking money to ever make that up. You're going to be paying minimum payments probably the rest of your life. And you're essentially, I mean, you know, we talk about wage slaves now here. You're worse than that. You're like literally your life. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you could work for us or you could die. You know, I mean, that's, that's essentially what it amounts to. If you decide not to work, you're not getting back home and you will just die. Um, that's pretty motivating and it's pretty fucked up. You know, even, even during the worst of slavery here, I guess you, you could definitely be killed, but that wasn't the default. If, uh, if you, you had some kind of hope of maybe escaping, maybe finding um, Harriet Tubman and getting on the Underground Railroad, that was a, a thing that could exist. If you're on Mars, until we have the ability to like liberate you there, uh, you're fucked. And not only that, how are you even going to communicate with Earth? Any, anything that you're doing is coming through his network, probably, which means you are just fucked in so many ways permanently, massively. Um, so, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong there, but it seems, it seems very likely. So, anyway, it's, it's funny, the whole, the title of this is going to be leadership, and I've touched on leadership just barely. I, uh, the, the, th the other thing, actually, this will be literally the last thing that I talk about, but the other thing that I wanted to mention here was just, I, I've talked a lot about how annoyed I am with Apple, and uh, I've, I've liked a lot of stuff that Apple has done in the past, and one of the things that I'm definitely noticing is that I think what's happening now is like Occupy, you have a lot of people who are motivated and capable and willing and paid well to do stuff, you don't have a kind of overarching vision for the company. You know, Tim, Co Tim Cook, Tim Apple, Tim Cook is a very effective, um, it, it, by all accounts, really great operations guy. He's really great at figuring out supply chain, optimizing that, getting things, you know, negotiating contracts and all this kind of stuff. But he's not like a vision guy. He's not a guy who's like, this is what we're going to do. And we'll kind of organize everything around accomplishing that. So what you've ended up with is you have this company that has plenty of very competent engineers, but they're all kind of running in different directions and you can feel it in the products. There's just a lot of, nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing. Like there, there are things like there, there's a lot of work that's gone into macOS and iOS to kind of make things uh, less like you're on one particular computer. You're just kind of like all of your stuff is everywhere, but that, I don't know if it's just kind of floundering or if it's just um, like it, it's happening in the background, but not really. But you can tell it's not something that they've decided as a company to really push on. Because if they did, things would be much better. Uh, but they're not. There, there's progress there, but it's you know it, it could be much better. It's it's like an open source project without a leader. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting to me how much that kind of leadership matters. And again, I like, don't want to say Steve Jobs was a great guy by any means, but that was one virtue that he had for all of his vices. Um, anyway, with that, thank you for listening and uh, say chin.